You're listening to the Burgundy Blogcast, presented by Burgundy Blog and hosted by Sports Channel 8. On this week's episode, we welcome in special guest, Redskins linebacker Ryan Kerrigan. This is crazy. This is kind of a big deal. This is um, this is our first first ever uh, celebrity guest on the Burgundy Blogcast. And Brent awkwardly admits his awkwardness before awkwardly lobbing an awkward icebreaker at number 91. In fact, I am a majorly amateur interviewer, so uh, take it easy on me. Try not to be all Marshawn Lynch on me, all right? But Ryan manages to give some pretty good answers anyway, including how he stayed on the field so much in his career. I think a lot of it is just a blessing from God, to be honest, and I'm not you know, trying to you know, get up here and have a sermon or anything, right. but I mean, really, I've had very good fortune, and especially to play a, a, a violent game like football and to be able to have played as much as I have is a you know, true testament to God's works. But I mean, also, I right take pride in how I, in how I condition and how I stay in shape, and I, I, I certainly think that's a factor as well. We'll talk about the Redskins' win over Philadelphia, and we'll touch on why NFL players don't like to leave the field even when they're hurt. If Peyton Manning is so insecure that he – and go look, the evidence is in his backups. You're telling me that a team <laughs> couldn't find a better backup than all those scrubs he's had, the Brock Osweilers <laughs> and all those dudes? All of that and more on this episode of Burgundy Vlogcast. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, giving us a little time. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're pumped. Um, full disclosure, right up front, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm not a professional interviewer at all. In fact, I'm a majorly amateur interviewer so uh take it easy on me try not to be all marshawn lynch on me all right <laughs> you got it <laughs> all right good so let's see first i want to i want to hear about i want to hear your thoughts on uh i guess washington redskins 2015 it's a new year a lot of changes a lot of things that are, are different a lot of new faces from last year um it's been a lot of ups and downs already in just this this quarter of a season we've had so far uh, i want you to if you would tell me a little about like What's what's the vibe in the on the team right now in the locker room? What's just the overall feeling like? How does it feel? What are the prevailing emotions or, or thoughts going on uh, inside the Washington Redskins team these days? Uh, a lot of excitement right now, especially coming off a big divisional win against the Eagles. Uh, you know, we got a got a long season ahead of us. We're uh, we're two and two. Giants are two and two. Cowboys are two and two. And uh, Eagles are one and three, so you know divisions uh, still wide open. And I mean, it should be because it's early and still got 12 games left in the season. But uh, we're excited because we know uh, we know we're uh, we put our, we're in a position to be able to compete in the division. Absolutely. Do Do you think that um, is there? I think you know the narrative at least right now coming off that big win, like you said. I mean, this was just yesterday, but it, it seems like you know a lot of the interviews of players are are coming up with things like there's a there's a new confidence we're a new team we got a new mentality do you really i mean i know that clichés like that are, are are kind of bound to come up but like is there is there a would you say that there really is a a major difference between like that the mentality or the the feeling with the team right now like how how is that how's the whole vibe in the locker room different from last year or other years that you've been a redskin uh, I guess just uh, right now, knowing we're you know the division is still up for grabs, that we still have you know a long way to go, and that we still have a lot to play for, I think is something that is encouraging for all of us. And 
Uh, you know, I think coming off of a, a big win like we had against Philly, I think it's going to, you know, you know, should should uh, should make us want to, you know, strive for more and to continue to work hard because uh, when you when you work hard and you have good weeks of practices, practice like we did last week uh, before the Philly game, good things happen. So uh, hopefully we can, you know, uh, build off that momentum and uh, continue that throughout the season. Absolutely. I know that. I know that's what fans are hoping for. What do you think about? Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the game uh, yesterday. This, this Eagles game was was uh, was kind of all over the map. Like the first half, you guys you guys really put it to them. I mean, the defense in particular. You, I, I think it was. I think that Philly was scoreless at halftime, and um, as 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 the Redskins had you know previously in one or two games already this year, really really kind of dominated the first half. I'm pretty sure it was 13 nothing at the half, and then and then you guys come out of half. And Philly gets a little momentum back. They do a little scoring. Bradford completes a couple of long passes for scores, and then, and then of course, you know, end of the game, Cousins and the offense they put together this awesome, really dramatic, uh, long ninety-yard scoring drive. What do you? What did you take away from that game? From that game, like from from the standpoint of the defense. I mean, what was, um, what was different about you know your approach to that game? There was a lot of. Um, uh, there's, there's been some, some things said about how maybe like Joe Barry was going to be more aggressive going into that game, and it looked to me like maybe you were throwing a little bit more in terms of blitzing or pressure. Like what what was different, and, and what did you take away from from your showing against the Eagles? Uh, I thought we were resilient, and that's one thing that Coach talked, uh, Coach Gruden talked about on on Saturday night was us being resilient because in every NFL game there's going to be good things that happen, and there're going to be bad things that happen. Um, you know, for us to respond to our, the bad third quarter that we had with the kind of fourth quarter that we did have uh, showed a lot of resiliency. And I think having that kind of character, uh, being able to come back from, from being down late in the game, I think that's having that, having the confidence that we can do that is going to do to us uh, to us good down the road. Totally agree. Yeah, that, that word resilient uh, or resiliency has uh, come up in, in a number of things I've read and heard over the past 24 hours. Is there... I mean, maybe this is a weird question, but is there anything like um, practically that you can actually do to like improve your resiliency? Are the coaches giving you like specific like techniques, or is this just kind of a mental thing where each person needs to kind of you know ground himself and just dig deep? I mean, I mean, how do you do that? How do you just become more resilient? Uh, it's just uh, playing one play at a time, and you know, you know, getting being happy that you you know if you do if you have a good play, you know, move on from that play. If you have a bad play, move on from that play, and just play the next play because that's all you have is the next play and uh, that's the most important play uh, because it's the next one and that's I think we're able to do that because you know we had some good plays in the, in the first half I had some uh, some poor plays in the third quarter but then you know we're ultimately able to finish with some good plays in the in the fourth quarter so you know it's, it's all about just uh, moving on to the next play absolutely that's good stuff what about um what about Coach Gruden? I mean, you, you were here obviously last year for his his first year with the Redskins, and that was his rookie year as head coach. Um, wh- what do you think about his like evolution as a coach, or or is there anything like obviously different to you and your teammates about his approach these days? About like the way he's uh, addressing you guys, or the way he he addresses the media? Uh, I just I like Coach Gruden's approach to the game. He he wants his team to be physical, and he wants his teams to be nasty. And I just I like I like the way he approaches football and how he, you know, the the tenacity with which, with which he coaches and the tenacity with which he wants us to play with. I, I I really like I really like that about him. 
That's great. I think I think that that comes through for sure when he's um, you know, when he's speaking publicly. How about uh, you know, like in terms of the way he um talks to you guys in the locker room or like I don't know schematic stuff in in practice? Is there anything different about like the way you're drilling or practicing? Is is or is, is he is he pretty much just been consistent with his like coaching style and strategy since last year? Uh, he's been consistent, and I like. I think that's what you know. Guys like about him is that you know when you're, when you're, when you do well, he's going to praise you. When you do poorly, he's going to he's going to you know he's going to be hard on you. And that's what you want in a coach. You want a coach that's going to be honest with you. And uh, he he certainly has been that. Right on, right on. Let me ask you this: How about another another um, well a, a new face, a really important new face, and a new person in the organization? Of course, is is the new GM Scott McLuhan. Uh, and and I've I've always wondered like I guess on a on a day to day basis or week to week, what what does how how do the players interact with the GM and what what sort of relationship do you guys have with him and how if at all do you like do you feel or 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 sense or see changes you know inside the building or within the team that are like obviously kind of have his name all over them do you feel like his presence is is clearly like changing things changing the direction yeah i mean he 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 made it clear when he uh, when he first came to washington that he, he wanted to put together a physical football team and you know with the guys that we've added to the to the roster you know guys like Deshaun Bolts and uh, guys like Terrence Knight and Stephen Pye. i mean you can you can see that you know physicality is a big uh, is an important thing for him, and uh, I think that's an important thing uh, to have in a football team is to be a, be a, be physical not only at the line of scrimmage but in you know in, in the, at the all at all other levels of of the football field as well. And you can see that with guys like Culliver and like and guys like Deshaun Goldson. So uh, you can you can certainly see that in how we uh, how the roster shaping up. Sure, absolutely. I think I think it's pretty obvious to fans that, that that he's had that impression on the roster. Is is he like um to me it seems, you know, like we saw him on the broadcast yesterday. I'm pretty sure he was down on the sideline um at least at least at the end of the game and um, we see pictures from practice sometimes where it seems like he's out there kind of roaming around. Is he is he like, you know, usually kind of visible? Is he around a lot? Is he a presence? Do you guys see him and talk to him much? Yeah, he, he's yeah he's at practice and at, and at the games obviously all the time and you know that's uh, he he definitely he's, he loves football that's that's for sure I mean mm-hmm. that's his that's his love and you can tell I mean he he's, he's very passionate about it he's, he gets he gets very fired up and I think that in turn fires up, us up. Nice, oh that's really cool to hear. How about tell me about your new um, your new defensive coordinator Joe Barry? What's what are some of his like defining traits or characteristics as a coach? Ah, he's he's another very intense guy. You know, guy that really loves football, eats, breathes, and, and sleeps football. And uh, he, uh, you know, he, he brings a lot of energy to the practice field and a lot of energy to the meeting rooms. And another guy who's who's very consistent. Who, you know, he he gets he gets just excited for an, an OCA practice meeting as he as he does for you know Saturday night meeting before the night before a regular season game and. That kind of that kind of consistency, I think, is important because you know what you're going to get from Coach Barry every day. Right. Yeah. We, we've we've heard a lot about how he, uh, I guess, he drinks like you know ten or twelve cups of coffee and is like totally amped up all the time. So I guess I guess that really comes through <laughs> when, when he's on the field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he uh, he's, he's a lively dude. You know, he, he runs around a lot in practice. Wants to get involved in the drills. Uh, it's cool to see that you know that kind of energy. Nice. So uh, let's see. Speaking more, I guess, about you personally, um, 
going back a few months, I think it was like maybe in July, you uh, you signed a big uh, a big new deal, big contract extension with the Redskins. Congratulations on that. Um, uh, I know fans were super pumped to to see that that you were uh, going to be here for uh, the foreseeable future. What what kind of um, what things went into your decision to uh, to commit to the Redskins for for this next period of your career? This is really like the the upcoming prime of your career. Like, what what made you want to um, to stay? I guess first of all, and also to to sign now as opposed to waiting and maybe testing free agency. What sort of thoughts and strategies went into signing that deal before this season? Well, I mean, I love Washington. I love, I've loved it here since since I got drafted, and you know, being being that this is the organization that drafted me, I've uh, you know, I have a special affinity for this organization, and I, mm-hmm. which I, I imagine I always will have. So uh, it was really a, a no-brainer to be able to to want to be able to stay here long term. I mean, that's that's what I wanted, and you know, I like what we're building here. So I think uh, you know, it was it wasn't really it wasn't really a tough decision for me. That's great, and, and of course, obviously, doesn't it's not it's not painful to lock up a little bit of cash here in the in, in the here and now, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it's not it's never. It's not about the money. It's about you know being able to you know be here where I feel at home and and being with an organization that you know it's just put a lot of faith in me. That's a strong answer. It's nice. It's good to hear. Um, so far this season, if I'm not mistaken, I think technically um, you, you've been credited with one and a half sacks, and uh, I know you've had a lot of a lot of other impact plays. You've been in the backfield. I think it was. Um, was a week one against Miami. You had an awesome, awesome play on uh, fourth and goal from like a one or two and, and busted in there and broke that up. Was that Miami? Yeah. That was sweet. Um, but, you know, sitting on a sack and a half through four games, I, I guess, you know, obviously that's a little bit um, behind your pace from last year when you had 13 and a half sacks. What, what, um, is there anything to that? Is that a reflection of anything that's like going differently or or not as well? Or or do you think it's just the opportunities haven't been there or it's just kind of luck of the draw? What do you think? I just gotta gotta win more. Gotta win my one on ones more and just gotta gotta finish the finish the plays when they're there. I had a couple chances in the game yesterday to, to make some plays and I didn't finish them, so it's just uh you know, gotta just gotta make the plays that are there and gotta gotta create more opportunities for myself and for the team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I guess you had a couple um, times you were you were in the backfield and had some chances and, and couldn't bring down Bradford. But but hey, I mean, you got you finally got him there in the fourth, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that felt good to, to get there in the fourth, and uh, you know, it's a good way to close out the game. Absolutely, that was great. I think the team had five sacks yesterday, which was a, a big big breakthrough. Um, what what I want to know a little bit about. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think through most of your career, at least up until this year as a Redskin, you you played primarily and really almost exclusively um, on the left side, right? Yeah, for the most part. Right, and then it seems like this year maybe you're moving around a little bit more, right? Yeah, trying to move around. You know, just trying to you know keep offenses on their toes and uh, just trying to you know allow a little more flexibility with uh, with how we do things up front. From your standpoint, is there anything that you like strongly prefer about being on the left versus the right, or is it is it like a performance and capability thing? Is it just a familiarity thing, or is that just sort of how it's always worked out? I've just I've kind of always been just predominantly a left left side player with with uh, you know going back to high school and to college. I just uh, always always for whatever reason was lining up on the left and just kind of got used to used to playing on that side. She don't know
here's another thing I think fans are, are curious about, and obviously I want to respect your privacy, so just just t tell us as much or as little as you want. But um, you know, your knee injury from I guess the off season, you had like a, a procedure coming into the season and missed some of the preseason or, or most, maybe all the preseason, I guess, after having that knee scoped, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm didn't, didn't playing any preseason games. Yeah, right. How are you feeling about the knee? I mean, do you feel like it's impacting the way you're playing now, or is it the kind of thing that you don't think about much when you're out in the field? No, I, I don't think about it at all. It feels it, it feels good. I mean, I I had a good rehab, and I think uh, you know the plan uh, worked as far as getting me getting me healthy and getting into the season. So I'm, I'm feeling feeling good, feeling uh, uh, feeling healthy. Just uh, you know, want to perform better. Yeah, do, do you expect that the knee will impact like how you know your practice schedule? Are you gonna need more days off or anything like that? Uh, not that I not that I anticipate. I mean, we had a plan in, in camp that I would take you know every fourth day. I think it was off, and uh -huh. uh, but uh, you know other. But now that we're in the season, I'm we're in a routine, and you know my knees responded really well. That's great. That's awesome to hear. So along those lines, I, I think you know we. I would I would feel remiss if I didn't. Uh, address and, and point out the fact that through your pro career to this point uh, you've been a total iron man i mean it's almost impossible to get you off the field in fact i, I don't think that you've missed a game in your career correct right I've, uh, yeah i have i've not yet fortunately uh, it, it's it's totally amazing so what is it i mean is it do you, do you feel like it's just you've been lucky enough to to stay healthy i mean surely that can't explain it obviously you're a tough guy what is it what does it take from you know, a mental standpoint, is, is, it, is it a toughness? Is it just, like, insane conditioning? How do you do it? How do you stay on the field every week? Well, I, thought, I think a lot of it is just a blessing from God, to be honest, and I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, get up here and have a sermon or anything, right. but, I mean, really, I've, I've had very good fortune, and especially to play a, a, a violent game like football and to be able to play it as much as I have is a, you know, true testament to God's works. But, I mean, also, I've Right take pride in how I in how I condition and how I stay in shape, and I I, I certainly think that's a factor as well. That's great. Uh, well, obviously, we wish wish you continued excellent health. Um, a couple more questions for you, Ryan. I'm curious. This year, we got we got a lot of new faces on the team. Um, some new captains. Who do you feel like? Uh, who, who are you comfortable identifying as like the the real? stand out the obvious leaders on the team whether it be on offense or defense who's like two or three guys that that really seem to be able to um you know build consensus and just inspire the other guys who who does everyone rally behind uh Kendrick Golson I think is one that comes to mind I, I really respect him not only as a player but as a more more so as a man because he's, he's a good man a good person does the right things off the field and uh you know has been has been playing for 10 years and, and knows how to you know knows how to be a pro uh guys like him uh guys like jason hatcher who's another you know uh, uh, uh double digit uh, uh year years in the league and you know guy that's been around for a while has seen a lot of things and um you know just uh does the right things take care takes care of his body and shows on by how he plays that's great those are good answers um one other thing I've always been curious to hear from a player's perspective, um, I, I think a lot of fans feel like, let's talk about FedEx Field, all right, the, the venue itself. I mean, obviously, fans, Washington fans are diehard, great set of fans. We love coming out and watching you guys. But I think a lot of fans don't really, quite frankly, love FedEx Field, like like the stadium itself. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. The parking's not great. 
a lot of the the concessions and stuff are overpriced and and maybe even just from like a seating standpoint it's not quite as intimate and and like exciting somehow as for example RFK was what do the players think about our, uh, about uh, FedEx Field how, how do you feel about it and what is your sense about like the perception of FedEx Field from um from your opponents from visitors and like do people like especially love or hate to come play here how do you guys feel about FedEx well, I hope I hope opposing teams don't like coming. I don't want I don't want them being comfortable coming right. to play at a at a home field. But uh, I, I, it's it's all I've known. FedEx Field is all I know. All I've known is a home field. So I love FedEx Field. I've had a lot of good memories there, and um, you know, like I said, it's all I know. So I've uh, FedEx Field will always have a you know, special place in my heart. That's great to hear. All right, last thing. This is kind of a big picture, um, sort of overview type question. I'm really curious. To hear your thoughts on uh, like goals, I guess for the season, because you know as a fan, we, we kind of sit back and look at this team, and we see uh, since since the the playoffs in 2012, we've had some lean years, you know, uh, coming off some losing seasons, and we've got a new GM, we've got a head coach who's still just in his second year. It, it's it's hard to know, like, are we really looking at the quote rebuilding type situation, or is this a team that's potentially built to like actually make a little run at the playoffs this year? I mean, obviously. Uh, you, you guys are, are trying your best to make the playoffs, and like you said, the division's wide open. But um, what would you say, uh, you know, w- without d- doing your best not to, to, to hedge, what would you say is it would take for you to consider this season a success um, from, a, from a personal standpoint and then from a team standpoint? Yeah, you, you definitely want to, you know, win your division. You definitely want to win your division to make the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's why you play the – while you play the game, so you want to be the best. And I mean, I don't think anybody who's uh, you, you never know how long you're going to be playing football. So yeah. you don't ever want to say, "Oh yeah, we're we're rebuilding, we're 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 you know we're wait wait till next year." You know, we don't we don't think that way in football. And you know, we we want to we want to we want things to happen now, and we're working to make them happen. now. No question. So so can we say then that you guys you know w- would it would it be fair to say that if, if if you guys don't make the playoffs you'll feel that this season was was a failure or, or is it uh, like an eight hundred record? I mean, is it just as good as you can be? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you want to make the playoffs every year. I mean, you don't. I mean, every. I mean, you, you feel like you fail every time you don't make the playoffs, and that's a. You know, we don't want that feeling around here anymore. Right on. How about how about you personally? Do you have a number like I want to play this many snaps? I want to make this many sacks? This cause this many turnovers? Do you do you do you kind of gauge yourself by numbers? What would be a successful season for you? I just want to win. Honestly, I mean, I've you know I've I've had games where I've had had multiple sacks and we've lost. I've had games where we I've had zero sacks and we've won. And the the games that we've won feel way better every time. So. Uh, I just I want to win games, and that's uh, that's all I'm here to do. Ryan, I just want to thank you so much for giving me these few minutes. Um, I know the fans are really going to appreciate it. It's been a total pleasure and a real highlight for me. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. To start a salary, it's hard reality. Find solidarity. We gotta lead us to, but where they lead us to, they leave us or they see it through. Your Washington Redskins are two and two. Brent, did you, is this where you is this where you expected it to be? Better, worse, two and two. Two and two uh, is is better than I expected them to be. I mean, each each I guess this, the first quarter of the season here was was sort of known to be well thought to be probably not the hard part. So they had a chance, but I mean each. 
each game so far, each week, I have individually predicted them to lose. So I've been wrong twice. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Are you too hard on your team? But we're looking around the NFL right now, and you know the Packers and the Patriots are better than everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's teams that are four and zero and three and one with m- many flaws. There's a, there's not a lot of teams that look really good on three sides of the ball. Right. Is it is it easy to underestimate your team in the NFL? And you know everybody's pretty, a lot closer to eight and eight than we think starting out the year. That's a terrific point. Probably yes. I think maybe I did. Um... I mean, maybe, yeah, because you have to evaluate each season for itself. But, I mean, part of it is me and my just jaded, biased skepticism because of, you know, the team I follow. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're, 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 they're a little better than I thought they'd be. Now, do you think you're representative of the fan base in that sense? There, there are fan bases in college sports and pro sports who are notorious for being overly optimistic, think they're going to be better than they are every year. And I'm sure there are Redskins fans who, you know, saw things that, that you didn't for whatever reason this year, but do you think the Redskins fans in general are cynical fans, or do you think they're realistic fans, and so they've just been right with their cynicism recently, or uh, how do you think that goes? <laughs> uh, there's probably both. I mean, I don't think we're any, obviously, way towards one spectrum, one side of the spectrum than the other. Um, you know, I, I thought they would they would finish 6-10. Six and, six and ten. Um, I'm still not sure that's totally way off base. I think most people kind of had predictions somewhere in there. I wasn't hearing a lot of nine and sevens. Um, you know, I think we're we're just used to so much losing. Hayes. I mean, it's it's hard to be like this is really finally the year. I mean, right. beforehand, before the season starts, to 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 pick any given season to be the one where you finally turn it around is kind of just naive. It's be it's interesting because we've talked to NFL players before. Um, like we've we've had we've talked to NFL players on, on my radio show. Guys, over the years, we've had guys who've taken out ads saying we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. You've seen that done in your know, different teams or whatever. Yeah. And, and but then we followed up and asked those guys. Do players have it? Like, do you, you know, looking back, now that we never want to ask a guy this year, do you think you're any good or not? But in <laughs> years past, when we've asked, when you've said to yourself, I think we're really good this year, or eh, this might be a, re, you know, a, a rebuilding year, how accurate are you? And it's funny, the, the player that, that we talked to admitted, I, I've, I've come to find I don't really know. You, know, right. you, do, you do get a sense uh, if you've been with the crew for three or four years and you've been to the playoff two years in a row, you should be good. But it, this was more of a t- you know, mid-league team, a lot like the Redskins who aren't you know, a, a, a decade drought from the playoffs but also aren't expecting the playoffs this year. Yeah. A lot of times they don't, they don't really know. I think, I think there is more to sometimes chemistry, momentum, clicking, you know, a, a couple players or, or a position group overachieving can be yep. a big difference. Uh, along those same lines, you know, we, we, we talked about this already, but you're 2-2. Two and two. There's some 2-2 two and two, two teams out there, and you know, I wish I'd uh, planned better. I'd be looking at them, who feel like they have a good defense, feel like they have a good quarterback. The reason they're 2-2 two and two was because, you know, they lost a fluky game, they lost to a good team, and they're not worried about being 2-2 two and because two they've got the pieces and they're not 0-4. Oh what is two and two mean for the Redskins right now you know obviously again maybe overachieving from what fans expected but also not you know having pundits saying wow this is a a Redskins team that's that's creeping up on people's radar what what does a win mean right now for a Redskins team yeah I think I'd probably look at it from two perspectives I'd look at what I what I presume it kind of means to the players and the team and how they look at it and then and then what I think it means to me as a fan. To the players, I think, as, as we've talked about, I mean, the, the NFC East is, is just bad. Nobody's going to run away with it, probably. Yep. It's, it's wide open, so 2-2 two and two puts you 
you know, basically you're still in full control of your own destiny. So I think the players are probably come, you know, pretty satisfied with where they are right now. For me as a fan, I think that this win over the Eagles, I mean, it was it was thrilling, it was exciting, it was dramatic. So just from an entertainment standpoint, I'm I'm glad for it and grateful for it. But I think you know for for this this Redskins team, which I still am having a hard time seeing in the postseason, are really threatening for it. It's not like to me where I'm like, okay. This is going to really position us nicely for a sweet run down, down, you know, in, in December. It's much more like, okay, two and two is so much better than one and three in terms of the likelihood of me having to or being able to care about football in December. It really just kind of like extends the shelf life of our season. I mean, we've had so many seasons in the last six, eight, ten years where it's like by November, even if you're not mathematically eliminated, realistically, who cares what happens right now? But you start out two and two, you can kind of flounder a little bit in the middle of the season and still have meaningful games in September. So it kind of gives me, you know, hopefully a pretty full season of actually actively interested rooting as a fan. I think that's awesome. That's true. And you never know, you might get flexed into one of those uh, late late season primetime games, which I know you ah! know. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll have to hit on some poll results a little bit later. Um, uh, let's see. All right. L- looking at the game specifically, uh, w- w- do you want to give out any we- – we don't have like, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down or grades or whatever, but was there anybody who you thought shined, coaching staff or players, uh, either specifically on the, the, the game-winning drive or, or just elsewhere throughout the game? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely got to give hats off to to Kirk Cousins, who didn't didn't turn the ball over, which was huge. He was he was very in control and in command on on that awesome um, uh, game winning scoring drive at the end. So kudos to him. The offensive line did great. He I think he got sacked one time technically, but it really wasn't even a real sack. It was kind of like a gain of zero. So from a pass protection standpoint. The line did awesome. I think he dropped back to pass 40-some times again, so that was pretty impressive. The defense got five sacks, which is a big breakout thing. Pretty impressed with that. Um, and I think I'll give a little game ball to the coaches. I think you know Gruden, I've, I've frequently been very hard on in terms of play calling, but the offense, especially in the first quarter, first half, and then again on the um, – on that last drive, really nice rhythm. I think uh, good, good, well-designed plays. A lot of well-designed third-down pass plays that got guys wide open. And then at the end, they got the ball back with six minutes left, and he went back to the run pretty hard. They had some awesome runs at the end. Nobody panicked, and they they used the clock really effectively. So, good job on the coaches. All right, let me ask you this. I hear you talk about the offense and a couple pieces that you think look good, including, you know, maybe not a dominant defense, but but a serviceable defense that, you know, in, in its best games is, is looking good. Mm-hmm. Are, are you to a point, and, you know, we're learning um, good things about Kirk Cousins and bad things. I guess a bad thing would be we're learning that he is not a, a franchise. Nobody thought he was a franchise quarterback, but we're learning, we're, we're confirming that, that he is not a, you know, play him, start him for eight seasons quarterback. I would say almost on the good side, A, well, to be winning on the anytime is good side, to be winning even with a guy who you don't believe in as your franchise quarterback is a good thing. And then that also leaves open the potential of, well, man, what if we subbed in Matt Ryan for, you know, it's such a quarterback league, mm-hmm. you can allow yourself to think, well, if we had a, you know, right now we've got a bottom third of the league quarterback, if we had a middle third of the league quarterback, you know, would we be actually thinking maybe playoffs? Mm-hmm. And if we mm-hmm. had a top third of the, you know, league playoff and, and you know, one or two other positions, do, do you allow yourself to think that way of like maybe it's actually a good thing that we're winning 
without the, the, the winning piece in place? Yeah, I think it's an important way to think because eventually they're going to have to try and insert that guy. I mean, maybe maybe over the next uh, 12 games, I guess there's still an outside chance that, that Cousins just, just puts on such a show that you start to think maybe, hey, it could be him, at least for the for the next couple of seasons. But if not, I mean, that's really sort of the pattern that – that he that he and, and, and the the other front office guys in Seattle followed um, when he was with the Seahawks was to build a, a stud team around the quarterback position and then drop a good one into the cockpit and they happen to get lucky with, with Russ Wilson so yep. that's definitely what he's trying to go for so you have to think of it that way and I think if I mean if you if you dropped a, a really nice Tony Romo kind of quarterback into the current team I think you'd already be talking about a pretty legitimate. Uh, threat at least for the playoffs. Yep. All right. Uh, one of the luxuries that, that good teams have, um, uh, you know, I pull for the Panthers. Uh, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you're a good team and you already have wins in hand, you have the luxury of telling your banged up players to rest because you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't mind giving up two games. You know, you could split them without them because you're good. And you know, even if you lose both of them, you're, you're probably going to set yourself up to go to the playoffs. So, right now, the Panthers are without Luke Keekley, they're not rushing him back. They probably could add him back on the field this week, but they got to buy next week. They said, wait. Big Ben, they're not going to rush him back. You know, they, they got a lot of pieces and they, they, they feel good. Uh, the Redskins are not in that position. They're not mm-hmm. a great team. They know that every win counts and every play counts. So, for example, you got a guy like Chris Culliver on the field. And on the one hand, fans say, man, I love a guy who plays through pain. I love a guy who's going out there and giving it us all. On the other hand, Chris Culliver didn't look like Chris Culliver that we've come to, to know, and he right. got torched a couple times. <laughs> who who draws the line on you know when being hurt is not being tough it's hurting your team like wh- how do you like that as a fan or, and when should coaches step in and tell a guy not to play either, great, either in color situation or or another one it's a, it's a great question it's almost rhetorical I mean I'm not gonna act like I have the answer I it think is a great you, question because you told me to ask it to you before <laughs> the podcast that's how you know it's good so I'm not gonna let you get away with complimenting your question there really well. Yeah, so I mean, color we're, we're, we're not doing sports radio BS here. I'm calling you out on that. So go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> he he, it's it's really it really is both ways, and I I'm a little conflicted. I said so on Twitter. I, I think I think it is impressive. I mean, clearly the, the reports on him all, all week coming out of practice were like I was hearing things like he's quote dragging his leg. I mean, he was clearly hurt. <laughs> he was clearly <laughs> limited, and there was a lot of there was a lot of question as to whether he'd even be able to go. They elevated another corner from the practice squad right before the day before the game, making really? a lot of people think that he wouldn't be able to. It was obviously an insurance thing. I think it's great, and I mean, all the players were talking afterwards. Uh, Ricky Jean Francois said that he set a, a new a brand new standard for toughness. And that's great. It's really important, but. He sucked. I mean, Gruden came out today and was like, uh, he didn't actually get burned those two times. He was supposed to have safety help. I, I think maybe on the first one, he probably was uh, supposed to have some safety help that he didn't get. But he was clearly nowhere near 100%. I think he was a liability. They were picking on him. So it is a fine line. I mean, in, in, the, in the case of the Redskins, they didn't have anything behind him. I mean, I think if they had had even a, a halfway viable back up to step in there and play they they probably would have at least at least split the time but um it was trouble i mean it, it was almost i think culliver was almost the reason they lost so it's just a really tricky thing yeah i think the injury is specific on position too because it's like it, if it's a defensive back and the injury is speed 
that it's really affecting him. If he's got mm-hmm. a bum shoulder and he's fighting through that to say, well, I really only need to just be step for step with my guy and be in the way. And then, yeah, he's limited a little bit in that he can't make picks, but he can still do, mm-hmm. you know, or same thing. If it's a if it's a lineman with, with, a, with a broken finger, but all he's really trying to do is fight through the pain to just plug those two holes, you know, he's not hurting you. So, but it's, when the injury is, you know, to the core, what you're asked to do out there, maybe it's time to rethink. Well, the, okay. So that my my follow up question is, whose job is to tell the hurt guy? You know, the the coaches who say it looks like they're picking on you, or is the guy to to say I, right. I'm, I'm I'm not myself, or I'm not enough of myself to, to be good enough? I, I, I don't think you'd like to be able to say, well, the player knows his own body; he's got to be the one to make the call. But but we know we know the analogies. These guys are they think of themselves as gladiators and warriors, right. and they're almost always. You know, you you got some that maybe are gonna wuss out a little, but most of them are always gonna say, "Put me in there." So I think, I don't know. Every team probably does it differently. I think maybe actually, like the position coach should probably be pretty aware of like a, a particular player's yeah. uh, limitations on a given day. And I think you know the, the the coach of the defensive backs is Perry Fuel. I'm just not sure he had any options behind him. I mean, they had Quentin Dunbar was active, and and he was. He was a receiver a few months ago, so it's like they they just they had to roll with him. I think um, if, if there was if there was any legitimate uh, backup plan, I think they probably would have used it more. Well, as I often do, I'll quote from the book of Bomani Jones on this one, my my good buddy. But he you know he's one who opened my eyes too. I mean, yes, these guys are tough. No one's taking away from their toughness, but a lot of times it's not they're dragging themselves out of the field because of that toughness. It's a it's a genuine belief and a knowledge right that. Your job, you get replaced, and you may never get back on the field again. I mean, he, point, we used yeah. to have some great conversations about, you know, like Joe Montana aging. We talked about Alex Smith, you know, was playing great a couple of years ago and lost his job to Colin Kaepernick. Like, who could have thought that a, that a white guy playing well at quarterback <laughs> could lose his job to a black guy, you know? And he, but he's saying it's so true. I, I have literally had a, a former – I'll tell you all off podcast who it is – a former NFL quarterback tell me when he was brought in to – he had he had been a star starter in the league and he got brought in later in his career to possibly back up Peyton Manning (laughs) and Peyton Manning said no he this guy will say Peyton Manning had me cut from the team because he did not want to back up who had ever started and if you go look at Peyton Manning who his backups have been (laughs) they have been the biggest scrubs (laughs) the least threatening people ever and it's a Peyton Manning does not want anybody he doesn't want Steve Young in the roster and as soon as they found out he was going for luck he said no 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 I'm not doing that you know And Bamani used to have this hilarious thing. He'd talk about. Uh, he's like, I mean, can you imagine? You know, Joe Montana's leaving practice, and he hears over his shoulder Steve Young being like, "Hey, Jerry, you want to get some extra reps?" So, sure enough, Joe's grabbing his helmet, back. no, Steve, I got this. Jerry and I are working out. You know, stay on the side, Steve. So, so like, seriously, but these. If Peyton Manning is so insecure that he, and, and go look, the evidence is in his backups. You telling me that a team couldn't find a better backup than all those scrubs he's had, the Brock Osweilers and all those dudes. So it's true. I mean, yes, I'm not taking away from Chris Culliver's toughness, but there is an element of if I don't drag that leg out there, some other dude will, and who knows if they'll let, ask me to drag it back out there the next week, you know? <laughs> yeah, my, I, I hear you. My other two things on that are, yes, I'm also laughing at the image of dragging a leg, which conjures up not only limping, but like one one arm is not in use because it has to carry the one leg around, you know? What Monty I mean? like, Python. That, that, that's what I'm picturing. Of the, not only the limp, but like, I gotta use totally one arm before the other one. 
who got the juice now? Snatch it out your kitty's cups, that shit you gave us watered down. This one's the Basquiat, daily brush with death, um. Is this the auto war for cops? We double dutch and ducking shots. Every home ain't got a pops. Every man. All right, what's better, Chris Culver at 70% or David Amberson at 100%? Oof. I actually tweeted during the game Culver plus knee injury equals Amerson. Man, that's cold. Why you gotta do my boy like that? Although, like I said, Culliver's also my boy because he's from Garner, North Carolina. That's right. You got you got all the North Carolina ties on your team. Uh, all right, this has been a popular topic, uh, and will continue to be in the NFL. Uh, we, a, we've got the kicking element that's changed a little bit because you got the extra point that's backed up. Mm-hmm. You got possible two point conversions. We've seen, it seems like a lot more misses. Apparently the numbers are saying it's about average number of misses. Maybe some more came in crucial moments. But we've also had a few more missed extra points, which is drawing uh, headlines to kickers. Uh, the Redskins had an opportunity uh, in a fourth down opportunity where they decided to punt, I believe. So yeah. there's a lot of kicking, punting, go for it, fourth down, field goals, two-point X. Where do you stand with all that math stuff, decision-making, and specific to any decisions you saw this weekend? Well, yeah, yeah. That play was was pretty interesting. So it was. I think there was about 11 minutes left in the game. The Redskins were down four points. They were on the 35-yard line. And it was like fourth and eleven or something. So they they could have elected to attempt a fifty-two yard field goal with their their recently signed kicker Dustin Hopkins, who is kind of uh, you know by by reputation has a big leg, and in theory that's within his range. Although there was sort of like swirling and unpredictable winds during this sure. game. Well, Gruden elected not not to kick the field goal, but to punt from the thirty-five, and Tressway's punt fairly predictably went into the end zone for a touchback. They gained only 15 yards right. of field position. I think, you know, hindsighters are all, well, that was ridiculous. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're wrong because at the time I did think it was probably dumb. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to pin him deep inside the five, hey, maybe that's beautiful. But you don't – you have a punter in Tressway who's got a big leg and he's been a good player but not really um, – Not a coffin corner guy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not known to be a, a strength of his game. So I think to, to, to expect him to do much better than, than a touchback was probably a little ambitious. Then you got this kicker who probably this is within his range. But anyway, Gruden came out afterwards and he was like, I was trying to play the field position game. Okay, I get that. The kicker, interestingly – um, told told one reporter that he kind of blamed it on himself. He said, "I told him uh, several minutes before that kick that that uh, 52 yards was outside my range because of the way that the wind was lined up. And then the wind changed such that at the time it probably would have been makeable, but you know that information didn't get communicated to Gruden in time or whatever. So I, I think it's it's a tough call. I think it didn't really work out. What he tried didn't. I, I don't think that that losing that down the 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 opportunity for another." Three points, or even the opportunity to go for it. Nah, I was going to throw convert. that at you. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably, to me, not the right call. But hey, they won the game, so he wins. All right, now I, I will say this on the field goal side. You talked about field position because I'm with you. You always got to factor in if you're punting from the forty, you have fifty-fifty chance they're coming out to the twenty, and you didn't pick up much anyway. It's small. But when you kick the field goal, it does back you up that other – it's not just where the line of scrimmage where you hiked it from, they get the ball now where you kicked from, you know what I mean? Uh, right, right, yep. So there is, that makes it a little bit more of a, of a comfort punting as opposed to kicking the field goal. But that, but that brings back to your third option of just going for it, which, yep. you know, again, percentage-wise, fourth and 11, it still would have been – you know, it wouldn't have been as high as it would have been for a, a fourth and short. Right. But – 
you know, I don't but, know. Do, but, but do the you benefit, follow... you know, the value you get from the opportunity to try and convert, right? You know, it, it, it goes a little bit of the way. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Do you follow the New York Times fourth down bot or whatever it is? I don't follow it, but I've every once in a while somebody will retweet it into my timeline. It's pretty cool. Now it'd be interesting on a play like that because you basically have to ask it how it affects your win percentage chance because it's not one where it's like fourth and one and it's go or punt or go or kick. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a you know, field goal or punt or the maybe go for it that seems unconventional, but you're such in no man's land, you know, just on the other side of the of the opponent's field. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw the bots tweet actually on that play. I'm pretty sure they said that the, I, I, the, the I, I bots said it. he should have kicked the field, gone for the field goal, although their, their chances of winning were very low across the board. At that time, they were losing. It was like going to be a 28% win percentage chance if, if they kick the field goal and like 26% if they punted or whatever. So, yeah. Hey, uh, how good is Pierre Garçon? Is he, uh, is he underrated? Um, or is he properly rated? He's probably pro- properly rated right now. There were, at the beginning of his career, for a while, he was underrated, I think, and up until he signed a, a pretty big contract with the Redskins, and then all of a sudden he became heavily scrutinized. <laughs> um, you know, now, now he's like... that works. <laughs> the... the, the, the the, you know he's he's just basically a beast. He's he's not a deep threat at all. Yeah. He's got really strong hands. He runs really nice short routes, and he just fights like hell for the ball. He's and not so very what, tall, what, is he? Isn't he like five eleven or six feet at most? He's not, yeah, I think he's about six feet. He's not a, not an especially big guy, but he's very strong. Yeah. Um, and and he had three three catches on that last drive that were just awesome, especially the touchdown catch when we got rocked. That was a man's um, play. He got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really key. And speaking of wide receivers, uh, wasn't Crowder doing some uh, some catching for you guys? Crowder looked awesome. He had he led the team in targets with twelve. He had eight catches. He's completely, uh, definitively replaced Andre Roberts as the slot guy. As I predicted, he would because yeah. I'm a homer for anybody with the North Carolina tie, not because I knew anything actually about him. So I always <laughs> talk up the uh, the North Carolina guys. But between the schools we have here and you know the athletes that come out of here, we put it. Have a decent number of guys in the NFL. Definitely. Um, all right. I got to uh, taunt you about this just because I know you don't want to talk about it and you couldn't have told me how much you didn't care. But it was only because you so arrogantly shrugged off <laughs> the fact that we stole Ryan Dallaire off your practice squad. Now, I've come to learn I've, I've become the, the, the number one researcher on uh, Mr. Ryan Dallaire. Uh, originally with the the Bucks who cut him, and then he was right. on the Redskins practice squad. Yep. Now the Panthers just signed him this week because uh, Charles Johnson got hurt, and uh, they brought in Jared Allen, but they don't know how good he's going to be. So they brought in this kid. I guess not a lot of risk bringing him in, and he gets two sacks, tackle for loss. Looks like a beast, which also probably screams he's somebody who doesn't know how to work in practice yet, and that coaches just don't want to be the one to teach him and probably realize he probably will be good if he ever starts working. And on his third team, his agent is like, you're going to keep getting cut if you don't work hard in practice. (laughs) My guess is, you know, the reason he keeps getting picked up is because people see that he's a beast, but he probably doesn't do the day-to-day. But all, you know, me versus you, taunting aside, because we definitely stole a player away from your nose, all that (laughs) jokes aside, does it, when when you talk about being a cynical Redskins fan, does it not add to the cynicism if – Somebody gets swiped off your practice squad and is instantly playing for a team and making an impact the next weekend. Nah, that, nah that no. Really, in all seriousness, I see where you're going with that. He, he, you know, 
I'm happy for Ryan Dallaire. I'm happy for the Panthers. I hope he works out. I'm not at all convinced that he's going all pro just because he had two sacks in his first game. He maybe you know, wanted I, to play it slow, but sure, I'm sure, okay. I'm telling you, Hayes, 90% of the people listening to this right now still don't know who you're talking about. No, absolutely. No, no, no. That's, I was trying to take it away from from making that specific and just go more general. Yeah. Like, is this is this something that happens in the past? Or are there... As a Redskins fan, we say, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there goes another guy who we, we, we had in our practice squad, and apparently he was good because somebody else got him. That, oh, that yeah. type of thing. Oh, yeah. So, that's, oh, that's, that's totally a Redskins thing where somebody leaves because the, the Redskins thought he sucked, and then, and then he became awesome elsewhere, especially with kickers. Right. Yeah. Right. Sean so Sweesham was, you know, like so maligned in D.C., and then he went on to become like the most stable, rock solid kicker for the, the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that happens with coaches, players, uh, definitely. That's definitely a Redskins thing. All right. Uh, if you're looking for a kicker, I don't, I don't know how you feel about yours right now, but my man Connor Barth did yeah. uh, pretty good work for the for the Bucks for a few years, and they took a rookie over him, and then uh, he went and I think he got himself fired this week. So I think <laughs> Connor Barth is one of those guys who stays around, stays in shape, realizing probably about week eight he's going to get a call either for injury or for uh, – for morale purposes, and he's, yeah. he's made a pretty good career doing I that. I think so. we like our new guy. We got we, we got this guy Dustin Hopkins after after they cut Forbath um, following week one, and he's I'm, I think he's six for six, and he's got he's he's kicking mostly touchbacks. He's he looks pretty good. I'll say this about uh, kickers, man. It's, it's, somebody made an analogy today. He said kickers are like lighters. Either you've got a Zippo and you like you know you got one that you want to take care of, <laughs> or or you got disposable ones and you're like as soon as they don't work for you, you're like gone, gone. Yep. Like, see, you like beat it. If you're not my guy, then just I'm gonna I might have six kickers in a year just based on trying to find one that gets hot and and I'm in confidence. I don't have any time in dealing with you working through your confidence issues on my team. Go do that in your offseason. Uh, all right, and final thing, I will let you gloat if you want to share some poll results. I know that, you know, as a you know, parade rainer, uh, <laughs> hater of all things fun, and just belief that, that the sky is falling, you know, as soon as the, that you lose the coin toss type Redskins fan, that, that there was no chance that, that people would rally and say they actually like seeing the Redskins in primetime games. But what, what, uh, how did it break out when you asked people if they agreed with you on assessment of whether fans would like to see the Redskins play primetime games? Right, right. We talked about it last week. I said I'd put a poll up on the blog, which I did, asking if it was up to you. How many primetime games would the Redskins have been scheduled for this year? Uh, the choices were zero, uh, one or two, uh, one to two, yep. or three or more. And as I uh, confidently predicted, the result was 85% of fans rooting for zero primetime games. <laughs> 11 fans out of the 100 um, polled said that they would have preferred one to two, and a mere four fans asked for three or more primetime oh, yeah, games. And I'm pretty sure one of those was me trying to uh, try to <laughs> yes, see the statistics I there. Uh, all right, all right, now, now, let me say this. Much like any other polls, the wording was key on this one. And I think, and again... <laughs> You're the band leader here. You're the one who probably has been tweeting and writing clever Tumblr posts about how, you know, primetime games are bad. And now all your sheep listeners and readers believe what you have taught them because they think you're smart or something. I'm flattered that you think I have this influence. (laughs) But I would have liked the wording to be more something like, if you could uh, never play primetime games again or... Have primetime games, and you know what? I would have liked the, the 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 choice to be a little bit more of a difficult one than, than just 
Yeah, but but I will I will concede. Well, as I did even before I made my proclamation, I think the Redskins fans are wrong to think that way. But I'll always concede that you probably have a better guess as to what Redskins fans are going to say than I will. So checkmate. How about that? Yeah. yeah.